0: Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's Evangelist Jonathan. I want to welcome everybody today, especially all the evangelists that are watching and Bible College students that feel called into evangelism. And I'll warn you right at the beginning, you should be careful watching this broadcast because if you're not careful, you're going to get yourself hooked in to the work of the Lord. This is something that's infectious, is when you understand that there really is a heaven, there really is a hell, and every person's going to spend their eternity in one of those two places. It changes the way you live. We've lost uh, employees that work for us, that were young, you know, 16, 17 years old, and just came to help out, and then got around, seeing the need that there is for people to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, left for Bible college, and are in the ministry now. This is not some thing that you can just learn about without it having an effect on you. And that's what I want. I'm having these done this week in anticipation of a new crop of evangelists being raised up all over the world to preach the gospel. Man, what an hour of need we're in now. If there was ever a time that people needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, receive Christ as their Savior and be changed, it's now. And so we're going to... Take this gift that the Bible calls the evangelist. And today I'm going to do an introduction and tell you what it is. And I'm going to be joined with a very special guest at uh, 1040. So about what? 30, 30, there's no clock on the screen, but about uh, 30 more minutes right around there. My father is going to join me beginning tomorrow and uh, he'll be here through the end of the week. So I would encourage you to not miss one session. And I'm going to open this first session up with prayer. There's people watching now. There's people that will be watching on replay on YouTube and whatever uh, means they're in the future. Jesus tells there could be people watching this 50 years from now. What we're going to teach and preach is timeless. This is not a new idea. We're going to show you what the Bible says is this gift called the evangelist. And so I'm praying for those that are watching now, for those that are watching the future, that God will use your life. That you're not going to watch this last great harvest of souls come in. Remember this that God did not leave us out to dry in this last period of time with all the negative Bible prophecies that there are. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will build my church. And the evangelist is the building agent of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that goes out and seeks and saves those that are lost and brings them under the care of the good shepherd. God's going to use you to do that. I believe this is going to be a turning point in many people's lives today, and I'm excited. Let's pray. Father, I thank you ahead of time in anticipation of the greatest crop of soul winners that's ever been raised up on planet Earth. I thank you that you're going to use these broadcasts to give people clarity, to give them strength, to give them determination, and to give them focus in this great task of winning the lost, ripping them out of the clutches of sin and the devil and placing them before the feet of our master Jesus Christ. We love you, Father. We thank you for giving us and commissioning us into this great work of evangelism and for sending the Holy Spirit to empower us to get it done. I pray for myself personally in this ministry. I pray, Father, that you would open doors, I thank you for the open doors you've already given us, and I ask you to increase them even more, tenfold, Father, that we can see the most people brought to Jesus Christ before it's eternally too late. We thank you for it and give you praise. In Jesus' precious name, everybody said amen. Welcome, glad you're watching, Pam, Darla, Danielle, wherever you're watching from, we're glad to see you. I saw people watching from Africa, India, ministers from all over the world, I pray That Today's a blessing to you. I wrote this yesterday. Most Bible colleges have eroded the ministry to pastor, missionary, and worship leader. How foolish to ignore the evangelist in the final hour of harvest. And I wrote that my father will be joining us the rest of this week. He gets in tonight. So the next four broadcasts, he'll be sitting with me. And uh, I have a special guest coming on in 21 minutes Who's who's a great one? This is going to be a, a phenomenal week. It'd be like four years of good Bible college in one week. And so I'm glad you're with us. So I want to take today as an introduction, I wrote in the title, Evangelism Summit Day One. What is an Evangelist and why is evangelism important? So I'm just going to break that down very, very simply because there's a lot of false ideas. Hey, St. Vincent, God bless you. So we have the, the Caribbean represented, one arguably the most beautiful island in the Caribbean. Number one, what is an evangelist? As I stated, if you go to a denominational Bible college, you can't even have any classes on. You know, I was called to be an evangelist, and I, there was nothing to take in four years. There was a personal evangelism class of how to witness to others about Jesus Christ, but as far as the office of the evangelist, there was nothing offered. You could be a pastor. You could be a youth pastor, you could be a missionary, you could be a worship leader. That's it. Well, what is, number one, when we talk about the ministry, what does the Bible say the ministry is? Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible says, when Christ ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Ephesians 4, 8, verse 9. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to the lowest parts of the earth and the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These are gifts that God gave to the church. So a man who stands in the office of the pastor is not some guy that just got the idea that he'd like to be a pastor. And if, if he's in the ministry for that reason, it's going to show he's going to have major problems. That's why if you come from a church background where they get it in their head, they just want to start planning a bunch of churches. And so they just start sending people out that aren't called into the ministry to oversee the church. There's all kinds of problems because this is something that God has reserved for himself. One of the only things that God does sovereignly without the involvement of man is he calls people divinely into the ministry. And then it's a gift that God gave uh, via the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that God appointed these gifts to the New Testament church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, uh, pastor and teacher. And so notice that this is a gift. We're not talking about evangelism with a small e or, 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 you know, sharing the gospel because you have people that don't understand. Well, really, all of us are evangelists. No, all of us aren't evangelists any more than all of us are astronauts or baseball players. The evangelist is a gift that God set in the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher. Now, these are the gifts that God gave to the church. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. And so all all of those five ministry gifts have that responsibility. The edification and building up of the church and and the believers. And then then all of them have specific responsibilities. So what is an evangelist? Number one, it's important to know what it's not. An evangelist is a specific ministry gift. It does not say Christ gave missionary, youth pastor, worship leader, and pastor. Then you have all these fake gifts now. Parking pastor, pastor of sound, uh, you know, worship pastor. Those aren't even things. Those are just American church, Western church inventions. The closer you get to the Bible, the better you are. So evangelist is a specific gift. There's more to the ministry than those little things they offer in Bible college. And then it's important to note uh, that an evangelist is not a traveling speaker. For a long time, every person who traveled and preached or traveled and taught was called an evangelist. If you... Had a church of your own, you were a pastor. If you traveled and preached or traveled and taught, you were called an evangelist. But an evangelist is not somebody that just travels. A prophet can travel. An apostle travels. A teacher travels. You know, people that give PowerPoint presentations and raise money for orphanages aren't necessarily a ministry gift in travel. So what is, you know, if you're going to succeed at something, you have to know what it is. You know, it's not going to be a good idea if I get drafted by the New York Yankees and show up in a football helmet and football cleats. I'm not going to do very well. It's not going to be good if I get drafted by Real Madrid, uh, signed to play for them, and I show up with a hockey stick and a hockey helmet. No, that's a good way to end up in, in the uh, psych ward. You have to know what you are. You aren't. Otherwise, people are just going to commandeer you. And this is very important and use you for, for whatever they want to use you for. And that's why some guys don't even know what they're called to do. They're, they had a call from God, but they just became a chameleon. Okay, you need me to speak a youth camp? All right. You need me to speak a marriage retreat? Okay. You, and they just are nothing now. They've done so many things. They don't even know who they are. You have to know which ministry gift you're called into. And missionaries don't like when, when you say this, but it's true anyway. There's actually no such thing as missionary. A missionary is one of those five offices that just does what they do on a foreign field. You're not going to find missionary in the Bible. The Bible says that Christ gave five gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And so obviously, we're. this is an evangelism summit. I'm an evangelist. We're going to have an evangelist on as a guest. And uh, Tuesday through Friday, my father, who's been in evangelism for 40 years, is going to be on. So now that we know what it's not, what is it? Now, you only have one evangelist in the Bible. Philip the Evangelist. Acts chapter 8. So let's see what he did. Acts chapter 8. But the believers who were scattered preached the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever they went. Philip, for example, who the Bible notes as an evangelist. What did he do? He went to the city of Samaria where they hadn't preached. The church was in Jerusalem. So he went out to people who had not heard the gospel. Went to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Number one, he went to a place where people hadn't heard the gospel. Number two, what did he do when he got there? Start passing out clean socks and bottled water, helping the people dig wells so they could have a clean water supply. No, he preached Christ unto them. And I want to mention this. We feed a thousand orphans a day. But the ministry is centered around the preaching and handling of the word of God. And for, there was something introduced called the social gospel where people quit preaching and just went to help everybody. And then the church swung the other way and quit helping anybody and just focused on preaching and having meetings only. And now it swung back the other way where now you have people take missions trips and they don't. When one person to Jesus Christ, uh, don't do any ministry. Just paint houses, put roofs on people's houses. That's not the ministry. Philip did not go to a place that didn't know about Jesus and teach them, you know, English. He didn't go and dig a well for them. He didn't repair their roofs. The Bible says he went first and preached Christ unto them. So all ministry gifts and the evangelist as well is centered around the preaching and handling of the word of God. So if you get away from that, you're going to fail because this Bible is not just a history of what the early church did. It's a blueprint. God is no respecter of persons. If you follow the blueprint, the way that it worked for them is how it'll work for you. So Philip didn't go with an acoustic guitar and sing worship songs over the city to to pull down the demonic strongholds. That's not in the Bible. He preached Christ unto them. He forcefully, what's preaching? He forcefully proclaimed that Jesus is the Messiah to the people. Now notice it doesn't end there. Because for a long time, all of the top evangelists, and, and actually to this day, that hasn't changed much. The top evangelists were all Baptists. And Baptist doctrine does not make room for the demonstration of power of the Holy Ghost. So many people, even if they know uh, what an evangelist is, they've only have to find it. Well, an evangelist is somebody that preaches Christ and wins souls. But that's not it, because that's part of it. He preached Christ unto them. Crowds, why did they listen to him? Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message Because of the miracles that he did, what kind of miracles for many evil spirits were cast out screaming as they left their victims and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. So notice he didn't just go and speak. The reason they listened intently to what he had to say was because he not only preached, he did what the Bible says, which is made allowance for the demonstration of God's power to come behind the word. And so you don't just go and try to demonstrate God's power with no preaching. But if all you do is preach and there's no demonstration of power, you've only done half of what an evangelist does because an evangelist is not just to preach. They're to preach the word, let the word come alive and put, build faith in people's heart. And then the power of God come behind that word and show that Jesus, that the one that you're talking about is not dead. He's alive. And I can tell you from somebody that's preached in America and on foreign fields, there's a difference when you just tell people that Jesus is alive and that he's the son of God. And then when the Holy Spirit begins to show people, you know, people get out of wheelchairs or a stroke victim that came in on a walker like happened to us in India, picks his walker up over his head and starts telling people that Jesus did more for me in five minutes than all the gods that I used to worship have done my whole life. And everybody come to the altar without you giving an invitation. That is the role of the Holy Spirit in the demonstration of the power of God. Number one, what is an evangelist? There's more to ministry than pastor, missionary and youth pastor. An evangelist is not just a trans- speaker, An evangelist is someone who primarily goes to people who have not heard the gospel. And remember, those people exist in every nation. You'd have a hard time finding a less reached place than a United States university campus. So you don't have to go and hack a path with machetes to some uh, tribe that's never heard the gospel, although that needs to be done, too. There's people that live in Alaska in the United States. There's many villages. My father has been there. He was telling me on the phone, I think it's still over 100 villages in America that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so whether it's a university, whether it's on late night television, Where there's people watching that have never been to church. An evangelist does not stay with the 99 that are in the fold. An evangelist is to actively seek and save those who are lost. They're to be a friend of sinners. Like Paul, By I became weak that I might win the weak. I became all things to all men that I might by all means uh, save some. That what is an evangelist? An evangelist is a ministry gift. So when you hear people say, you know, well, really all of us are evangelists. No, we're not. An evangelist, no, no, no more than all of us are apostles or all of us are, are United States senators. It is an office. You can't call yourself into it. Good morning, Natalie. You, it is an office that God, that Christ, when he ascended, it's a resurrection gift that he gave to the church. Num- what is an evangelist? Number two, and this kind of expounds on that, what is the task of an evangelist, and we've already covered that pretty thoroughly. An evangelist wins souls through the preaching of the gospel and the demonstration of the power of God. Now, Paul was an apostle, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But like the saying goes, the thumb can touch all the gifts. An apostle is able to flow in all of those gifts. So Paul did the work of an evangelist, and look what he said was the secret to his ministry. Romans chapter 15, verse 18, Romans 15, 18, Paul said, yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced what now he said, I brought the Gentiles to God. These heathen Romans that were rough people. If you read history. How did he win them? He tells you they were convinced by the power of the miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit. In this way, I have fully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul taught that it's not even a full preaching of the gospel. That's why you get the word full gospel unless the demonstration of God's power comes behind the preaching. So I'm I'm, I'm spending time on this. To to separate what I'm talking about from personal evangelism or just discussing Christ. Evangelism is the the preaching, forceful preaching. That's what, if you break the word down in the original language, that's what it is. It is not, you know, now I'm not saying my way is the right way and I have some ideas and you may not agree. No, that's not it. Preaching is under the unction of the Holy Spirit declaring the word of God into people's spirits to break through the veil of their mind that they may see the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Turn to 1 Corinthians, just one page over. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. My message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom. But in the power of God, verse six, yet when I'm among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom. So notice it's not saying that everybody that you having deep revelation and that kind of preaching's wrong. But for an evangelist, you saw that clip at the beginning, you're preaching on a stage in Philadelphia where 90% of the crowd has never heard the gospel. It's not a time to get into impress people with your wisdom of the scriptures. You're to make, he said, my preaching was very plain. Billy Graham said he imagined telling his message to a seven-year-old boy that you make it plain. My speaking was very plain, but the Spirit of God was powerful. You're not trying to impress people with how smart you are. You're trying to win their soul and communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, verse 5. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 5. For when we brought you the gospel. Now remember, that's why even though Paul was an apostle, he was first he had to do the work of an evangelist. You go to Thessalonica, there's not one Christian in the whole place. So you can't be a pastor. There's nobody to pastor. So how, when he went there, first as an evangelist, What did he do for when we brought you the gospel? It was not only with words, but also with the power of the Holy Spirit, which gave you full assurance that what we said was true. I want to read that in the King James first Thessalonians one five. Let's see if I can find it quickly here. I Open right up to it. For our gospel. Listen to this. Paul said, for our gospel came unto you, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know, what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And so, again, there's three places where Paul deemphasizes how um, how clever his speaking was and instead says we did not just use word, but there was a demonstration of the power of God that came behind our preaching. And so everybody that feels called to be an evangelist, you're going to have a rough time. If Number one, if you follow the trend and lay the Bible aside, and we're going to spend a whole day on how to handle the word of God, so I'm not going to get into that today. But if you do like is in vogue now and read one scripture, maybe quote one scripture at the end of your message and just ramble on about your thoughts, you're going to have a problem. The power is in the word of God. The, actually, your preaching of the Word of God is what generates the operation of the Holy Ghost, signs and wonders and the demonstration of the Spirit, because the Spirit watches over the Word. They agree. The Holy Ghost comes behind the Word to confirm that it's true. It's what gives it the power. But on the other end, if all you learn is what's called proclamation evangelism, and you basically give a speech, And close in prayer. You're going to have a rough time. Because we are not fighting an intellectual battle. Listen to this. If you're going to succeed as an evangelist. You have to understand. I am not fighting an intellectual battle. This is a battle of darkness and light that the strong man is sitting on the souls of mankind to see them ripped, even though Jesus paid for them with his blood. The devil wants to see them burn in hell for eternity, even though the Bible says all souls are mine in the book of Ezekiel and hell was not created for man. And so this is a spiritual battle. This is not conservative against liberal. This is not Republican and Democrat. All those are side things. This is darkness and light that demonic powers hold men and women captive. And the only key to loosing their chains is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The way that Paul preached it. My preaching was plain, but I'll remind you that the Holy Spirit was powerful. When Paul preached, the Bible says he was preaching and noticed a man who had faith to be healed. In Acts chapter 14. And said to him in a loud voice, stand up. And immediately the men stood up and began walking. And the whole village gave their life to Jesus Christ. Philip preached the gospel to the Samaritans. And crowds listened intently. To what he had to say. Why? Because of the miracles that he did. For many demons came out. Screaming as they left their victims. And many. Not some. Many that were crippled were healed. So there was great joy. Not in the church. There was great joy in the city. Notice that. Hallelujah. God. God. As you develop the gift that he gives you on the inside, God can use you where you not only is the church happy with your meeting or the pastor happy, but the city says, thank God that you came to our city. Hallelujah. I believe God's going to raise people up like that today. I believe you're going to be, I believe that's why the grace of God drew you to this broadcast. We're not looking to have a bunch of people just calling churches asking, can you have me preach a Wednesday night? That's not. Evangelism. Can I preach a Sunday night? Can I preach a Sunday morning? There's people that call themselves evangelists. They book 50 Sunday mornings a year. That's not evangelism. Evangelism is is having it in your spirit to take the light of God. Remember, Jesus said, while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. But after I leave, ye are the light of the world. You, Brother, you got to get convinced of that. I have something that everybody needs and everybody needs what I have. And you go in love to a city with the prayer and fasting. Father, use my life that this town will never be the same when I leave, that this city will never be the same and the Lord will use you like that. Don't get small sites. Don't get your goal to be the youth camp speaker or the youth conference speaker or some conference speaker. I'm telling you, if you're an evangelist, your heart should be to make city impact. And God will use you to do that. I want to welcome a very special guest all the way from Tampa, Florida. Please welcome my friend and a true gift from God to our generation to join us on this introduction to evangelism. Put your hands together for Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. Put your hands together for Dr. There he is. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. I can't
1: see you. You're but going to have to I turn the volume you. up. I said I can't see you, but I can hear you. So All right, good.
0: good. Well, we're doing an introduction to evangelism today. And I, I got to, uh, the, through the first two points, what is an evangelist and what is the task of an evangelist? I would like to hear you, you without having heard me, say what the task of an evangelist is.
1: Well, from my simple understanding, basically to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations of the earth, but not just with a message, with signs and wonders and miracles. You know, from the call of God on my own life, and then having uh, had the Lord speak to me in a dream, which is something that happened to me right just before my 13th birthday, that basically overwhelmed me when I saw lost humanity going into uh, a lost eternity, it was something that crushed me. And I just wept and wept. You know, when I woke up in the morning, my pillow was soaking wet. But in the dream, Jesus was standing to the side. Behind him was the cross. And behind that was a a small, narrow road leading. I could see the line of evidence. And then to the side of him was the sea of humanity. And for the first time, because I was raised like you were, in church, I felt the lostness of the lost, and it crushed me. I never knew what it was to be lost. And so I began to weep, and I said to the Lord, what are you going to do about those people? And then he smiled at me, which I didn't even understand at the time, because I even thought, how can you smile at the time like this? And then he said to me, I've done everything I'm ever going to do about those people. He said, I went to the cross. And then I said, then who will tell them? Who will tell them? Who will tell them? He said, you must tell them. You must tell them. You must tell them. And so... I woke up and, of course, the rest is the history of my life. So I purposed to go to the nation, the earth. But I knew that I could not go with just a message that I had to go with power. So that was my whole quest then to receive the Holy Ghost and fire, which you can read about in Luke chapter three and verse 16. John said, I baptize with water, but there's coming one after me who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. I just didn't want to be a nominal preacher running around giving information. I wanted to go and actually preach and see lives touched and transformed. So in my simple understanding of an evangelist, we've got to bring in the harvest of souls, but it's not just a motivational message to get people to change. We back it up with the power of the Holy Ghost, with signs, wonders and miracles. And that's the calling card to bring in the harvest.
0: Before you came on, it's interesting that you brought that up because... I played Dr. Lester Sumrall's testimony that's basically the same vision that you saw, which when you get an understanding of hell, gives you your motivation to go after people and not care about the persecution or anything. But I would, uh, since this would probably be the topic that you're best at, what would you say to somebody that's called into evangelism when it says the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire? What difference does it make and i know it makes all the difference but i mean like specifically when you go to reach people for christ what does the baptism of the holy ghost and fire bring to the table that otherwise you'd be stranded
1: well first of all i mean there's many people in the charismatic pentecostal world that are baptized in the spirit um speaking other tongues but i don't necessarily look at them and say they have fire i mean you listen to when you preach there's a there's a, a distinct difference in Jonathan Shuttleworth the evangelist who an angel of the Lord appeared to as a young boy preaching and to a lineup of ten other ministries I'm not trying to differentiate but I am because when you listen you speak there's a there's a fire in your in your voice there's a there's, you carry the weight of heaven which a lot of ministers when you hear them they carry nothing it's just like Raw, uh, raw, B3, cranking in the background, uh, running around, uh, <laughs> drop the mic, wonder why is anybody listening to me? You know, you know this stuff. It's all <laughs> like, uh, like um, who am I preaching to? You know, that kind of stuff. So at the end of the day, the meeting is a bunch of rah, rah. But really, in essence, it's really up in the soul and the mind and, and, and the emotions and not to the heart. An evangelist is called to preach the word to cut right to the heart. Uh, Jesus said, is not my word like a fire, like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. That's what the scripture says. So the word is like a fire and the hammer, the rock that breaks uh, the hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. And so as as the evangelist comes with the evangel, which is always the urgency of the moment that this could be the last moment for someone to hear the gospel, that if we don't Like when I give an altar call, I always give it as though this is the last time they will ever hear the gospel. They'll never hear. They'll never have another opportunity to accept Jesus other than right now. And I might never have another opportunity to give it. So it's that urgency and the fact that he's coming soon and that we have to carry the gospel to the nations.
0: If you... Being being at your age now, in your mid fifties, if you could go back and be twenty, just be like, go immediately back in time. What's something that you would do differently, knowing what you know now, starting from the beginning?
1: Well, I, I got touched in the fire when I was when I was eighteen, so I was already in that mode. I guess if I could have go back now to twenty, because really it started breaking around about when I was twenty six, twenty seven. That's when that's when I would step back. And let the Lord um, do what He wanted to do in the meetings, because at that time, the first five years of my ministry, I was very much trying to fit into the mold of what I saw other ministers do, and almost to the point where I'd leave the service frustrated because I felt like God wanted to do more. And then I said, "Lord, Lord, you didn't. I thought you were going to do more." He said, "Well, I would have, but you—you you did it. You preached that message. I told you not to preach that message." So it came up to April of 89 when I finally said, "Okay, God, do whatever you want to. And that's when everything changed. So maybe maybe would have changed earlier. Who knows? Um, I know there's always things in retrospect we try to do a little differently. um, But then one decision opens up another set of possibilities that, you know, you could go in another direction. So, um, you know, the, the bottom line when it comes back to the Holy Ghost and fire, people have the Holy Ghost, but does the Holy Ghost have them? And people have the Holy Ghost, but it's momentarily like in a service. But God wants to come and to really possess our vessel, but he'll never force himself on us. He he wants to use us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 24-7, really, that we become carriers of the very presence of God and this message of the gospel. So I think, it, I think it would come down to one word, and that would be to yield, to yield more, to yield more. the Holy more. Ghost. Correct, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Tell, we have uh, evangelists watching from all over the world, or young people that feel called to evangelism as well. I, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but it's like there used to be a ton of evangelists, and people that called themselves evangelists that just traveled and spoke, then it, the pendulum swung the other way where now you know, there's not even you know, mention of it. But I feel in my spirit it's going to come back the other way. And so that's why we're doing this week. So it, knowing that, what would you say to anybody that's watching that feels a call specifically to the office of the evangelist and to evangelism with having been to so many nations and, and having a much better grasp of the global church than I do? What, what would you say to somebody watching that feels that calling?
1: Well, first of all, the need is great. There's no lack of opportunity. And I mean, but the, the key is the fire. What's going to set you apart from everybody else is the touch of God. And that's what people need to get that hunger in their spirit and ask God to come touch them. Say, Lord, please, I cannot go without your touch. And uh, look at the transformation in the life of Saul of Tarsus after the road to Damascus experience. Look at the transformation in Moses' life after the burning bush experience. Look at the transformation in Peter's life after the day of Pentecost. Before Pentecost he denied the Lord. After Pentecost he boldly stood up and preached and proclaimed. So if it was important for Moses, if it was important for Saul, if it was important for Peter, then how much more for us? in the twenty first century. So I would encourage every person and don't hang around people that are negative about preaching the gospel and signs and wonders and miracles. Don't don't hang around negative preachers. Hang around people that are that are full of faith and full of the fire of God. And of course Jonathan's such a great example as a younger man who's running with the fire of evangelism. So, you know, hook up all you can, learn all you can from him. And uh, I think you'll you'll be fine. And then follow the Holy Ghost. God will show you exactly what to do because everybody's living in a different place, different set of rules. And I mean, I had to come up through the gauntlet of South Africa, which is nothing nothing more vicious than the gauntlet of South Africa, where everybody will tell you what to do, even though they, they themselves are doing nothing. So I had to run that gauntlet and the Lord helped me through it.
0: Let me let me ask you about that since you brought it up. You know, once you commit to the ministry and, 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 and you're not going to turn back, I feel like the, the next thing that happens, the next battle you have to win is people trying to shape you into something outside of your calling. And uh, I know I know nobody had to fight that battle more than you did. So what would you say since, since the, your average person, if they feel called to evangelism, there's no stream
1: for them to flow in? How do you. Make your own path. Well, I mean, look at Reinhard Bonker. Reinhard went to Lesotho and, and just started off in Masiro playing a, uh, the piano accordion on the streets and just started off. And Reiner's always moved. Then Reiner never allowed his ministry to be put in a box by any organizational or group. And so Reiner was successful in that way. So, I mean, obviously, in I, I believe evangelists should be based out of a local church, but and we have many bases out of the river. They travel. I do not uh, hold them back. I'm not there to block their vision. I'm not there to stop them or say, no, that's not right or whatever. If they come for me, to me for advice, I give them advice. If they don't, I tell them to follow the Holy Ghost. So I think, obviously, my, the ultimate would be for an a, a evangelist to flow out of a local church, But if a local church just wants to squash all of that, then you need there comes a time when you're going to have to say goodbye. You're going to have to obey the call of God on your life and go do it. Now, of course, you'll get written off. They'll say you're going to fail you out of the will of God, whatever. But that's nothing more than witchcraft, because God knows who he calls. You take (laughs) Lester Sumrall. You mentioned Lester Sumrall earlier. Lester, Lester, at the age of 18, went to New Zealand to follow Howard Carter lester has had moves of god on every continent lester god used him in a profound way and i got to meet with him i spent a week at his church five weeks before he died i did a whole week of meetings two meetings a day i got to spend every day at lunch with him he came after the service put a coat around me i felt so humbled that a man of his caliber would he was like a teddy bear he was just the sweetest guy and just talking about the final move of god before jesus comes that wigglesworth prophesied to him that wigglesworth said i won't see it but you'll see the beginnings of it so my advice to every young person you're going to have to obey god and and sometimes that's going to mean overriding what man says obviously we need to be humble teachable and submitted but i know all that kind of stuff that comes with that manipulation and uh, control there's a lot of groups out there that actually run their whole operation like a cult They have a cult following. Unfortunately for me to say that, they control everybody. Our job is not to control anybody. We cannot control people. Our job is not to control people. Our job is to bring people under the control of the Holy Spirit so they can obey God and and, and fulfill the call of God in their life. I mean, you and I have a great relationship, but as you can say, there's no ways I try to manipulate you or control you in anything. And you're based out of a local church, but you have a great relationship with your pastor and your pastor doesn't control you. You know, so that that really works well, which is the ultimate. But in the sense of, uh, you know, when 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 you got young people called with the fire of God, if if a church, if a local church really is doing what it should be doing, it will release the young people to obey God and do because every evangelist is going to be unique. And it's going to be different. It's not all going to fit into your pattern and your structure of your local church, which uh, that's not what we're called to do. We're not called to hold everybody captive. The local church shouldn't be a prison.
0: I, I could name less than five uh, Bible colleges where if you feel called to pulpit evangelism that you can receive any training, but one of the ones I can name is River Bible Institute. So if you would, tell anybody that's watching or watching on future broadcasts, about uh the school in Tampa and and what what goes on there.
1: We offer scholarships. The whole purpose of the school is to raise up revivalists for the 21st century. We've had over 4000 graduates already. The school started in 1997. And so we have about 450 we're expecting close to with the January intake close to 500 students by January. So we offer scholarships which means your tuition is free. And um for the River Bible Institute and the River School of Government. And we have a Spanish school called um, uh, El Rio. That's our Spanish church, but the Bible school. Um, if you would be interested, you can call the number 817 and ask for the RBI office and say that we spoke to you. And I've, offered, I've, given, I've given Evangelist Jonathan uh, scholarships to give away. So uh, we'd love to um, do our best to train you and equip you. It's a three-year program and to launch you to the nations of the earth, which is what the school is about.
0: Tell me uh, what you did with the students that felt called into evangelism this year with the Crusades.
1: Well, we have um, about 13 interns that feel called to, so that's seven to Crusade evangelism. So what we did, I set met with them personally. And then I said, OK, each one of you are going to do a crusade in the city of Tampa. I gave them a budget financially. I said, I'll pay for it. And then you're going to help each other. So each one will help the next one. So by the time you finish seven, you would have gone through seven crusades. One one of them, you know, you'll get to preach and the other six you'll help to coordinate. So by that time, you will have learned the whole thing, how to go into an area, how to set up the meeting. And uh, so they had the first one and. It was exciting. And so we're going to see what happens here in the new year as uh, these evangelists are uh, trained. And then when they launched, there's no telling what's going to happen. Very excited about it.
0: Since we talk every day, I know you already uh, feel this way. And I do, too, because you just got back from 17 cities in Europe and saw a great hunger on a continent where people think there's no hunger. And it it was some of the best meetings you've ever had. And I, I feel in my spirit and see it personally, the rumblings of the greatest revival that the world's ever seen. And so it makes sense to me that the devil would try to cut off the sickle of the harvest of the church, which is evangelism. So since, since I see that being raised back up and restored by the Holy Ghost to, to the church, um, I will, before you go off there, I would just love for you to pray for me and for everybody watching that uh, feels called to this and was drawn by God's grace to be a part of this, that that God would use us to bring in the greatest harvest of souls we've ever seen.
1: Now, let's pray. Father, I pray for Evangelist Jonathan and Adalus Shuttlesworth, the divine call that's on them and how you're using them in a mighty way. And I pray for every other person watching that feels called to evangelism. And I thank you above all today for the Holy Ghost, for the mighty Holy Ghost, the same Holy Spirit that touched me all those years ago in Africa, the same Holy Ghost that's taken us now to 63 countries of the world, the same Holy Ghost that is on Jonathan and Adalus and will come upon every young evangelist and those that have a desire to carry the fire, and the message of the gospel to the nations of the earth. And I pray even now that you would touch them, that you would lead them, that you would guide them, that you would show them exactly what you would have them do. Let them not be distracted by the voices of the naysayers and the gainsayers and come here and do this. May they follow the inner promptings of the Holy Ghost and may they accomplish your purpose and your plan. And I thank you even now for your fire. That, that even the remaining weeks of 2018, Lord, that you will birth in them that which you will do. And 2019 shall be the greatest year of the harvest of souls yeah. that we've ever seen. And we thank you for it. And we give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Before you go off the air, this is uh, Dr. Allen's new book, The Anointing. I get it that just was released about one month ago. Tell everybody about the book.
1: Well, the book is, uh, is a sequel to the first book that came out back in 92, and I felt like, you know, a lot of people, a lot has happened since 92, so we put this together. It's, it's the, probably the most concise teaching that we have on the subject of anointing at this time. Of course, it's a never-ending subject because we talk about Almighty God, but I believe it will help each and every person understand the purpose of the anointing, what is the anointing, how to increase the anointing, how to release and transfer the anointing, understand the glory of God, and then and then learning how to become sensitive to the anointing and letting the Lord use you because you, be, you are a vessel. And so the, the book deals with many aspects of life and ministry, which I believe will be a great encouragement to every person.
0: Thank you so much. And, uh, We're going to send this book today to everybody. I'm going to give you a chance to give. Mark chapter 10. Listen to this. Very important. Peter spoke up. We've given up everything to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied. And I assure you that everyone who's given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will receive now and in this life 100 times as much. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. I wrote yesterday that anytime I hear somebody talk about what they gave up and lost to follow God, I know they're lying. Because Jesus said, whatever it costs you up front, it is impossible to stay serving God. And it ends with your story being that you gave up to follow the Lord. It does not cost in the end, to serve the Lord. It pays to serve God. It actually costs to not serve God. People have to give up things in the beginning. But Jesus said, know this, anybody who gives up any of these things, property and possession, for my sake, people say, yeah, I would give that for Jesus. But he equated the sake of the gospel with putting it in his hand personally. Think of that. So actually giving of your property and possession So that the gospel of Jesus Christ can go to people that have never heard it, that are on their way to hell and rescue their soul. Jesus said, know this, anybody that takes what they have and gives it to the task of world evangelism, not they might receive, they will receive now and in this life 100 times as much as what they've given. I'm going to tell you, if you'd like to join me and try God at his word, it works I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. Did you know evangelist, to quote uh, Pastor Austin Lingerfeld in Arlington, Texas, evangelists are something that God gave the church to give the to give Christians an opportunity to be rich. What did he mean by that? When you have the opportunity to give to the sake of the gospel, when you put God's kingdom, the advancement of God's kingdom first, all the other things will be added unto you. Jesus said that. People say, yeah, but it says with persecution, too. But if you're a Christian, you get the persecution anyway, so you might as well get the money, too. Whatsoever measure a man uses in in sowing, that's the measure God will use to meet back to him. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today. And this week, we're going to unashamedly take large offerings for something CNN doesn't like. The advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If the government had its way and they could rewrite the Constitution, they would never allow giving to the church to be taken off income tax. This country was actually set up to reward people for giving for the advancement of the gospel. Pretty amazing. And so they would like to take that away, but they can't do it. And so while it's there, why not take today and sow the largest seed you've ever sown to the work of the Lord. And I'm going to do a bonus for today. I showed you Dr. Rodney's book. I'm going to send this to anybody that gives $250 or more. And then we're believing for five ministries, five people, and five businesses that will sow a seed of 5,000 or more. As we get ready, you know, forget get ready. Kofi's preaching in an area in in rural Ghana that's over 90% uh, totally unchurched and unsaved. And so you're going to have results from today, besides television and everything else. So I'm going to send this Dake Annotated Reference Bible, along with Dr. Rodney's book, to anybody that gives 5000 or more. Thank you, Nick, for getting the ball. Uh-oh, lots of people are giving. God bless you. And then I'll tell you this. For anybody and this corporate year-end giving, I'm believing that somebody's going to sell 100000 from a business or personally. That would pay for an entire crusade like the one you saw on the uh up front of the broadcast, if you'll give 100000 I will drop this at your house personally if you do that today. I'll ride a bike if I have to as a way of saying thank you. And so that's for anybody that does $100,000. i will drop this off and shake your hand and say thank you personally. Maybe that'll make you less want to give. So you can include on a note, please stay where you're at. I don't want to meet you in person. But I'll say thank you in advance to whoever will respond to that. <laughs> I hope you know that we believe in you here. God's going to use you. You're going to be great. And so these next four days, today was the introduction to evangelism. I felt like it was a great broadcast. I want to thank Pastor Rodney Howard Brown for joining me. And uh, don't miss the rest of these broadcasts. My father gets in tonight, Lord willing. He'll be with us the, the next four days as we explore uh, all the questions we get from people that feel called into evangelism. How do you get open doors? How do you preach? How does it work? How do you finance the ministry? Who pays you now that you're doing this? Am I going to starve to death like my parents told me I will? Uh, not my parents, but everybody that feels called, you know, they, they, you might as well tell them that you have cancer if you tell them you're, you're going to go into evangelism. They don't know how you're going to get food. They just basically feel like you're going to die. How does it work? We're going to cover all of it. I love you, Pastor Wallace Phillips. You truly are a great man of God. One of the joys of my life was meeting you this year. God bless you, Lisa panels, and we'll take questions with my father uh, the other days. Thanks again to my guest, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. Thanks to you for watching. Before you log off, please share the broadcast on Facebook, and then on whatever, if you're watching on YouTube or whatever, put a link to it on social media so more people can see this. It's going to be a great week together. I love you. God bless every one of you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.